The Mets took a trip to Dick Mountain and made their way to the top successfully. Rich Hill was great in his Mets debut, and the comeback kids, led by Polar Pete Alonzo, won two out of three over the Blue Jays. We'll get into Hill's outing, the series win, the big five-game series against the Braves, and who should the Mets go after before Friday's trade deadline? Our special guest this week will talk about that trade deadline. It's the host of the New York, New York podcast with the ringer, a little JJ after dark, John Jastrzemski. So grab your closest horse stuffed animal, giddy up and hop along for the ride next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks, it's out of here. We got you. Welcome back. That might have been the longest one in the history of the show. To Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post, only fitting for the Dick Mountain episode. It's Jake Brown here alongside Nelson Figueroa, former Mets pitcher, joining me as he does each and every episode, Mondays and Thursdays. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy NY. Later in the show, we will chat with the host of New York, New York on The Ringer, our good friend John Jastrzemski, a little JJ at the dock. 845-391-3660 is our voicemail, and amazingbuttruepod at gmail.com is our email if you want to hit us up. And we'll read your emails and play your voicemails on Thursday's episode, which will come after the five-game series. We'll record the show after the new game so that'll drop thursday night for you as we get preview the weekend ahead that will come with black jersey friday and lots to do but figgy another series another series win for the metsies and you know we recorded the show and after the show day later they end up getting rich hill and yes his nickname is actually dick mallion and it's one of the great nicknames in sports and you know he came out there sunday and said hey i'm here the mountain is here and i'm gonna get to the top of it and he dazzled for five innings now it wasn't the most pretty he didn't strike everyone out but figure he got outs he found ways out of jams he's got help from his defense but overall he was good they ride the horse this new stuffed animal horse that's in the dugout and that is the hottest bat in baseball that would be pete alonzo since the all-star break he's got five homers already in these 10 games or whatever it is and pete alonzo's clutch homer and then Jeff McNeil, the decision to pinch at Jeff McNeil for Tomas Nito, which in the moment I thought was a little bit of overmanaging. Luis Rojas shut me up. Jeff McNeil shut me up. He had a big two-run hit. And then somehow the bullpen wasn't easy, got the job done. Edwin Diaz was dominant outside of the walk. He struck out three guys and he threw a nasty slider to end the game and overall a great series win against what we saw was a hell of a lineup i mean that blue jays lineup is dangerous it was displayed on saturday not as much on friday when the mets shut him out and not as much on sunday but a good Blue Jays lineup was stymied for the two wins in this series over the weekend. Yeah, impressive young lineup uh, for the Blue Jays. I mean, you can encapsulate it all in one batter. To Oscar Hernandez, the first five fastballs he saw that were above his belt, he swung and missed through them. And you're like, all right, this guy's just a big free swinger. He's going to miss. But if you were just two inches off of your target of being above the belt, he smashed balls all over the ballpark. We saw these guys hitting the ball. Gap to gap, and if they didn't go in the gaps, they were going over the wall. Very impressive lineup, and there was no let up in it. 
honestly wasn't any let up in it. Every time you looked up, you're like, oh, this guy's coming up again next inning. This guy's coming up again next inning. They're very, very impressive. Um, they're fun to watch. If they had some consistent pitching and a bullpen, they'd be really dangerous. But having said that, the Mets did it again somehow. This team continues to never disappoint. They don't let you down. They get down in a game, and you're just wondering now, how are they going to come back and win this? Gary Cohen on the call is actually just sitting back going, huh, we've seen this already happen how many times? I'm not worried. We'll talk about this win as one of the greatest wins. He does it every single time now because you just kind of expect this team to find a way to claw back, and they do. It's just been utterly impressive to watch. Pete Alonso being the Pete Alonso in the middle of that lineup has been a lot of fun. They're having a lot of fun playing baseball. In the dog days of summer, this is what you're looking for is a team to kind of gel together and, and find out who they are. I don't know who the starting rotation is because they only have three guys that actually have names on their jerseys. That's Stroman, Taiwan Walker, and Tyler McGill. If I would tell you the Mets are going to be having those three guys as their starting rotation back in April, you would have said, wow, this team's going to be at least 10, 12 games out of first place. But the medical Mets never cease to amaze you. They come back, they find different ways to win. Guys are coming off the bench and hitting pinch hit home runs and clutch hits left, right, and center. And all you keep thinking is if they just could be healthy, what this team could do to the NL East, especially the down season for most of the NL East. They got a big test coming up with the Braves where they could put some real big distance between themselves and the Braves. I would love to have a lot of distance between myself and the Braves because the Braves are that organization that will go out and make moves as they already have. They will go out there and, and compete. And they've had their own journey last year and the year before where it wasn't the big names that carried that team, the unknowns that really did uh, unbelievable jobs. I'm very impressed with what I've seen with this Mets club. They've they definitely come a long way and they continue to just ride the wave and do it as long as they can. The next five days in Flushing will be very interesting. Five days in Flushing. Wilmer Flores won't be crying. Yoan assessment won't be a Met later in the week, but we'll get into it in a little bit. How do you know? There, How yeah, do I mean, you know? He, he might be. I mean, if they go out of their way to sign him for absolutely no reason whatsoever, he could be. I mean, he he's on some local ranch waiting to be signed, and he won't take a minor league deal. He will only take a major league deal. The Mets have, you know, got their own horse in the in the in the cattle in this in the shed in the uh, what, what are the what are, in the stable. stable? Yeah, Jesus. It was a long weekend, you know. It wasn't Bridget. I think it was Kathy pouring up the double shots on Saturday night <laughs> and, and the fine wine. But, you know, this team is so fun. And this series, like you said, so big. You really have a chance, Biggie. I mean, you know, maybe they probably won't. But if they win all five of these games, you are 10 games up at the Atlanta Braves. And you immediately make this a two-team race. Because, listen, the Phillies right now are in it. The Nationals are not. The Nationals have entered seller mode where the Mets are contacting them about Max Scherzer. Listen, I don't think the Mets are getting Max Scherzer. I would take him. I mean, why wouldn't you have it? I mean, oh, my goodness. Game one, Jacob deGrom. Game two, Max Scherzer. Good Lord. Just type in Pornhub.com, and that will come up for every Mets fan in America. I mean, <laughs> come on. Let's be real. That, was, that will be the first thing. that That is something you salivate over. It's just not going to happen. But why not check in? The Nationals are just got swept by the freaking Baltimore Orioles, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's as low as it gets, getting swept by the Orioles. This is a chance right here for the Mets to make this a two-team race, and they will face the Phillies next week. Remember, if you're going to Philly, try not go Sunday. Come out to us to catch Astoria on uh, August 8th. We will have the podcast at Catch Astoria, 5 p.m. recording. 1 p.m. we'll watch the game next Sunday, August 8th. Make your way out there, but... 
a big week ahead for multiple reasons. Like I said, the trade deadline, huge. We'll get into that in a minute. But also, Figgy, the return of Carlos Carrasco, or should I say the debut of Carlos Carrasco, who pitched great on Sunday, three innings, AAA, no runs, uh, up in Buffalo for Syracuse. And we might see him on Friday. You might get black jerseys and cookie on Friday. I mean, give me cookies. That should be a cookie giveaway. You know, they always partner with uh, Insomnia. Insomnia cookies, see cookie pitch, and wear your black jersey. First thousand fans in their black jersey. Do some kind of promotion. Exciting times because you're getting a starter. You got Rich Hill. And let's talk about him just for a second because this is a 41-year-old with playoff experience who, nice, 69-mile-an-hour curveball. You don't see that in the game. And we joked, 69, nice, nice, nice. But it's actually good when he blends it with his fastball. And you could you could speak to this a lot better than me. The variety of pitches you saw, he was styming a Blue Jays lineup. Despite only getting one strikeout, he was getting guys to hit ground balls, getting guys to pop out. And you could have argued you kept him in there, but he seemed gas. He seemed to have aimed that last pitch, and he was tired. And Lugo wasn't great, but the, you know the lineup carried him. Rich Hill is a serviceable pitcher with playoff experience, and he's like Bartolo Colon Jr., just with a lot less weight on him. You know, he's in his 40s with the experience and is perfect for this rotation where they don't need him to be an ace, where if you do need him in the game four, say the NLCS, he's a guy you could trust throwing out there and not be worried. Where McGill has been good, but you're not going to trust McGill as you would a Rich Hill in a playoff series. Yeah, Rich Hill was a very nice pickup, and I, I enjoy watching him pitch, knowing his history and the fact that in 2015, this guy was a Long Island duck playing for Kevin Baez, another former Met. An unbelievable story and journey that he's been on to go from that to making over $40, $50 million in the next few years with the Dodgers. And now, you know, he's bounced from the Twins to Tampa Bay. Getting paid to play baseball and to pitch over the age of 40 is a fantastic thing. And he does it by being the anomaly, right? Everybody else is 95 plus, uh, 90 mile an hour sliders, and he is the exact opposite. He slows the game down. He has funky angles. He has funky deliveries. There's nobody sitting there worrying about this guy's mechanics. There's nobody worrying about this guy's track man and it's reading his spin rates. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to spin a baseball. And that's what got him back into baseball from the Long Island Ducks. It was only two starts with the Ducks, I think. And then he wound up signing a minor league deal with the Red Sox. He knows how to pitch. There's no doubt in that. And you saw what he was able to do to the Blue Jays lineup. And as dangerous as that lineup was, he got himself into trouble trying to be a little too fancy, a little too tricky and, and moving the ball around. I am very happy to have him there once every five days. No problem with that. You're going to have a, a an absurd amount of surplus, you know, hopefully very soon. Uh, by the mid-August, it could be very nice to be in the Mets rotation. And that's still with us wanting another arm at it. And I think what mostly you'll be able to do is kind of space everything out a little bit, not have to have Jacob deGrom every fifth day and when he first comes back from the IL. And it looks like, by the way, he'll be back early to mid-August. They're saying that he'll get a probably rehab start. He started throwing, so we will see Jacob deGrom at the latest, I would imagine, by that start of the 12 games against the Giants and Dodgers in mid-August. Yeah, I don't I don't want to see this guy shut down again. I just don't. I, I get it. I, I want to, not that I want to baby him by any means, but I think you have to realize where you're at in the season and how important he is to where you want to get to. This is, we're talking about not just winning the division, but having a chance to take out one of those big teams in the West 
in a five-game series. You need Jacob DeGrom for that. You're going to need him for that. I'm excited, man. This is exciting times if you're a Mets fan. This is everything you've been hoping for. And yet still, Uncle Stevie has not opened up the wallet, right? The whole thing was he was going to buy everything. And when he didn't buy a single big-name free agent, we trusted the process for the first time ever and the Wilpons were in charge and they made the same exact moves, fans would have wanted to burn down the stadium. And you know I'm right. You sat back there and you're like, how do we not get any of the top three free agents? What are we doing? We're doing the same thing again. And it wasn't because he had to save money. We know what this guy's worth. But there was a, 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 a thought process of what was more important for this team. One guy, we're getting four guys that you can you know have going in and out of the lineup. And you needed these guys. You needed the depth. I already said this last show. You know, we're, we're going to be pushing soon enough. We're going to be pushing almost 60 Mets that have played in the Met uniform in one season. That is unheard of for a team that's in first place, a team that's been in first place the longest all season long. They have been utterly impressive because all the names have come and gone. And yet you can kind of pinpoint to remember this play, remember this moment, remember this hit, remember, uh, you know, this pitch. You can pinpoint it to almost every single guy that put on a Met uniform this year. And that's been the fun part about this. This is a special year. OK, I, I did SNY for five years. I did not see the 2015 thing happening the way it did, uh, but it was a hell of a ride. This team is far ahead of the 2015 team. Well, that 2015 team in June, Figgy, had Eric Campbell and John Mayberry Jr. hitting like four and five. So you really never saw it coming until that last week of July when Wilmer cried, when they swept that national series. I remember that place was rocking. So you did, that didn't materialize to late July or early August. We've seen incredible moments from a team who's been banged up and I think there's still more to come from this team. There's the, the 2021 Mets yearbook when they do that special in SMY every year is going to be special. And I still think there's more magical moments to come. This team, I think, could get better, especially what they do at the deadline. But when DeGrom's back healthy, when they get another bat or another arm, when we see more of Hill, this team still has a lot more special, special moments in there. Friday felt like a lot more than 28,000 people, but you could feel his energy now because after blowing three and now getting the opportunity to even be out there again shows that they have confidence in them. Listen, I maybe have thought, I said last show, they should have tried Mayor Loop for a bit, but Diaz went out there and shut me and all the haters up and had two big saves. You know, Friday had a little cushion, but Sunday, one-run game, he walks the guy, you're like, oh, no, here we go again and still dominates. And you had said something before the show that daytime versus nighttime and using uh, suntan lotion? <laughs> no, not suntan lotion. Sunscreen. Yeah, so the, one of the big sticky Same things. Same thing. Isn't it sun, no, suntan no, lotion? no. Is suntan there a difference? Lotion. Isn't that yes. just another term for no, sunscreen? It, no, it's not. You can be wrong too, Jake. Don't worry. So they're the same thing. Suntan no, lotion one and One is sunscreen. keeping you from absorbing the rays. The other one, suntan lotion, is to get a tan. I, I just call them the same. I don't know. They're oh the same my God. thing. Tanning oil is a, is a Tanning thing. Tanning oil? Where are you from? They don't do... Oh, forget it. <laughs> That's I'm bronzer. Done. Bronzer. Yeah, easy. I need to stay out of Flushing Metal Park with bronzer on, please. So what I'm looking at is, is Edwin Diaz and his confidence level when it comes to throwing his slider. In night games, you don't see that same kind of confidence with his slider. Am I saying he's cheating? No. What I'm saying is if an uh, umpire was to check and you're wearing sunscreen in the daytime, it's perfectly legal. It's perfectly legal. But if you have sunscreen on 
for no reason at nighttime and they check, you're getting thrown out of the game and suspended. So you're not even going to attempt it. But in the back of his mind, if he doesn't have that little bit of stickiness of that routine that he probably had for a while now, it gets to him a little bit. And you don't see the sharpness in the slider at night. Prove me wrong. I watched it. The Pittsburgh series where he struck out a Polanco, there were probably seven sliders he threw in that at bat. And he wound up striking him out with a 91-mile-hour slider that hung on to the backside of the plate. But it never really had that bite to it. They were hanging and Polanco was just big barely missing him. And you're like, this next one could go a long way. It wasn't that way on Sunday. You saw the depth, you saw the bite, you saw the snap again. And so while I'm not saying that that's a thing, it's a thing. It is a thing. It's not saying that he's cheating. It's not saying, but it's the, you know what, if they're two natural substances, if you have them at the same time and you have a little bit of stickiness, so be it. I just know that his slider looked nasty. Lugo has not been sharp for quite some time with this breaking ball. I, I don't know. Like, he doesn't have the confidence either to throw it. Like, it's not finishing. It looks like 2017, 18 Lugo, where, yes, it had the high spin rate, but it was ending up right in the middle of the plate and he was getting hit. I remember talking about it saying, oh, this guy has the highest spin rate for a, a breaking ball, but they're batting over 400 against his breaking ball. So nobody was scared of it. He got to the point where he figured out how to bounce it on the plate and get swings and misses. So I'm looking for that to continue for Lugo. He needs to find that kind of finish on his breaking ball. The other guy that we're worried about is Castro, his changeup. Familia has been outstanding nonstop. He's been in every role. I thought he was going to come in for a second inning Sunday because they did a double. He always does this double switch, but then he takes the pitcher out after one inning. And I know Familia's career numbers when he comes in for a second inning are great, but he cruised through that inning. And I was shocked when he double switched and then took him out. And then May scared the hell out of all of us. And then somehow, you know, Mr. Bush Light himself came in and got that final out. But I don't, I don't get the whole double switch and then take the pitcher out. Yeah, no. I, I, again, you're, you're playing the hot hand, and and with a lot of these relievers, you want to take them out after they've done their job. That's it. I'm not going to push you. And you have enough arms back there. You had the other three guys still readily available, so you didn't worry about two innings and getting those three guys through those two innings, right? So I'm okay with that. That's why you have a bullpen built this way, and you have that confidence that I did the right thing. I got my guy in there at the right time. I'm okay with it. Familia has been fantastic. He's looked stronger and stronger. And, and, and that's what you need is a guy that can be that steady and that versatile that you can bring him in the sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth. And you have that quiet confidence in him. The bullpen has been outstanding. I mean, we haven't even had to say names like Jacob Barnes in quite some time who every time he gets in a game, what happens, Jake? The score changes. God, I saw him in and I'm like, <laughs> oh, our old friend, Barnes and Noble, back yeah. at it. Thank you for your service here, for being bad here. Well, you made up for it by being bad for another team. Yeah, it, it, it was just inevitable. As soon as I saw him come in the game, I go, the score is about to change. And it did. Quite frankly, this is what we saw. And we were very happy to not have to see his name, uh, you know, in that middle relief role. I'm loving the back end of the bullpen. Diaz, I told you, was going to be fine. These guys go through lumps differently than they used to, man. It, it, the closer's role isn't what it used to be. The guys are more used to seeing 100-mile-an-hour fastballs all game long. So it's not where you had a, a starter throwing, you know, mid-80s to touching 90. To all of a sudden, you got these flamethrowers at the end. You're getting used to seeing 95 plus, and you even watch the hitters' reactions to taking a pitch 98 miles an hour on the inside part of the plate, and they're not even flinching. I remember coming up in the game and watching guys. They're like, "Damn, this guy's throwing hard." You can hear it, and they were, they were flinching at the plate. You look at these guys, and they're like, 
Well, it's 98 with, you know, sinking action on it and they're just bored about it. So it's a different era for baseball. These guys are, are, are quite impressive what they're able to do because hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in all of sports. And it hasn't been hard for Pete Alonso. Giddy up, cowboy, ride along. They bring the horse in the dugout. And this is what's you love this stupid damn team. They're like five year olds, but it's amazing. <laughs> you got Dick Mountain. You got to ride in a horse. You got, you know, Donnie Stevenson. Everything with this team, there's no, you know, there's no rally dildos this year. They don't oh, need the boy. rally dildo. There's no TJ Rivera, but everything else. And it's been fun to root for. And a five-game series, Stroman Monday, doubleheader to be determined for game two, to be determined Tuesday, McGill Wednesday, Thursday, we'll have the podcast after the game. And Taiwan Walker, who has been struggling, he needs to get it back together Thursday before Friday through Sunday against the Reds, Black Jersey Friday. And before we bring on John Jastrzemski, the trade deadline is Friday, Figgy. The ideal scenario is get Barrios and Donaldson here, get that package, get what you can from Minnesota. Other names out there, obviously Chris Bryan is out there. Javier Baez is out there. Max Scherzer, we mentioned, the Nationals are sellers are out there. Frazier just went to the Padres, so the teams in the NL, those those contenders are stacking up. Michael Pineda is a name. You know, there's another twin who's drawn interest. If they didn't get Barrios, not in love with Michael Pineda, but... He's available. So names are out there, and we got to expect the Mets get one or two of these guys, preferably a pitcher first and then a batter. Yeah, I think they're going to make some kind of moves to at least get a combination of both. What's funny to me is that Tampa Bay is right there in the middle of the playoff hunt, right? And they trade off the veteran starter that the Mets are coveting. Does that make any sense to you? It's like as if they knew something and they're like, well, he hasn't been pitching great as of lately. That system that Tampa Bay Rays have, it's like plug and play nonstop. They don't really care who's in there. They don't really care about the name. They just know, hey, this guy's maybe his spin rates are a little down. And according to their metrics, uh, he's a little fatigued. Mets gladly take him and add him to their starting rotation. Because if you could, if you can name five Tampa Bay starters, I'd give you a thousand dollars. Well, they so, acquired a 40 year old in Nelson Cruz and they traded away a 41 year old. So they hit their <laughs> quota of 40 year olds. Apparently, You got, you got to, you know what I mean? You got to play for the push right there. That's what a Tampa Bay is all about. Max of one 40 year old on your team. That's but I'm looking, but I'm looking at this team to add a player uh, and a pitcher whether it's a bullpen guy I still think that if you're the Cubs and you can get enough for a, a closer and you get Kimbrel if the Mets can get Kimbrel to add to this bullpen you're talking about a plethora of riches where the starters like I said starters are coming back there's no reliever coming back that has that kind of pedigree so to me that's more attractive and you're going to have to probably, you know, if, if you get Chris Bryant along with it, you're going to have to give up a lot more. But that to me is a very exciting package because if I'm going to sign somebody, if I'm going to sign somebody for the future, if I'm going to bring Chris Bryant in and want to keep him for the future, and it's going to then become between Boris clients, it's Conforto or Chris Bryant, right? But I want to be able to say, hey, I got a closer that, you know, I, I can count on and you can alternate night after night. With a Diaz Kimbrel combination that really would make it laughable at the end of ball games uh, for the most part. So I, I look at it that way. I, if unless you can get a starter that has years on him, like a Barrios has a couple of years, and then, I don't know that Donaldson's twenty one million over the next three, where he's going to be thirty eight years old as a third baseman, isn't as attractive as an athletic young J D Davis who can. Donaldson has what fifteen, seventeen home runs right now. If J D Davis was healthy, you know you'd have more than that. How about we do this? We get Craig Kimbrel. We get Chris Bryant, and we get Jose Perez. And then we just call it a day. We get one of the best relievers on the planet right now. 
We get a, a number one, number two starter, and we get one of the sexiest men in baseball. The, the, <laughs> the ladies are fawning over. And Chris Bryant, you know, just get them all here. Bring them all here to Queens, and it will be a beautiful thing. Let's see what Uncle Stevie does. Thursday we record after the game, so we'll see by then if they have moves. Sometimes it goes right until 4 p.m. Friday, so my gut tells me we're going to record, we're going to drop the show, and within – 69 seconds of dropping the show the Mets will acquire Chris Bryant it's just how it works you, 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 you do know it's only 60 seconds in a minute right well a minute 09 into into uh, <laughs> the show dropping it'll come out and huge series this week you know come out to City Field rock the place because the Mets could have a 10 game lead on these stupid Atlanta Braves when we record on Thursday and if they win four to five figgy it's an eight game lead over the Braves and then hopefully just the Phillies to worry about in the final two months. And if that's the case, we're in good hands. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was listening to the game on the radio while driving home on Sunday. I don't know how many people were in the stands. It was so loud. I literally got goosebumps listening to every pitch. As the pitch is coming in, Howie Rose is doing the call, and you know he has you on the edge of your seat. And another swing and a miss, and you could hear the crowd getting louder. And I'm not even joking. It was it was palpable. I I promise you that that energy, uh, and that's just through the radio. And I'm not even in uniform. So for the guys that are in uniform, the guys that are out there, and, and they're, he wants to finish off the game. You got thirty thousand strong, just you know, at your back and just rooting you on. It's another level that you can take your game to, and I think this team deserves that. This team has deserved it because with all the bumps and bruises along the way, they could have given up and then you would have given up easily. You've sat back as a fan and said, "Ah, but no, there is no buts anymore. Okay, this team is for real and we have to kind of support them in that way because it it will help. It will only help down the stretch to, to have that kind of energy and have that home field advantage at City Field. It's the ride of the horse. You know, Pete Alonso had the shrug. He's a space cowboy. Yippee-i-yo, yippee-i-yay. Let me get an insane quote I think the horse's there. name should be Trot. That's just yeah. me. Trot is Yo, a he, What you might have heard is my stomach from, yes, that was, if, you, if you had a guy carrying two boxes of pizza outside of Saturday night's game, that was me. If you ever question, if you looked in the distance, you're like, who's this guy with two boxes out of pizza carrying outside City Field? Your first guess should be me, and you would be right. That was my stomach grumbling Sunday from eating leftover pizza. But, yeah, you could feel the end. Friday was rocking. You know, when Pete hits that second homer into it actually landed on my roof in a story. I don't know if you heard the Elias Sports Bureau. 450 feet later, it landed on top of my roof. New York Mets keep on rolling. Five game series against Braves. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you on Thursday. But coming up next, it's the host of New York, New York, which I wonder if he had to like contact Frank Sinatra's people to get that name there's no copyrights i don't know because the song is maybe called theme from new york new york but i don't know how he got that podcast name without clearing it by legal we didn't ask him that we probably should have but uh, we'll, we'll text him to find out john jastrzemski will join us next on amazing but true Joining us now on amazing but true it is a friend of the program although he's making his first appearance on the program, he hosts a New York, New York on the Ringer and Spotify. You can catch him on SNY TV, where he's a contributor as well. It's John Jastrzemski before dark in the morning. JJ after dark, JJ in the morning. 
JJ on a cup of Joe. You can follow him on Twitter at John underscore Jastrzemski. JJ, welcome to the show. I don't think you were on in year one, so welcome to the show. Well, fellas, it's a pleasure to be on, and I think I got to give you heat for this because this was definitely not a figgy decision. What took you so long to invite me? I mean, <laughs> what what you have to go to, like 10,000 guys down the list before I get the call? I see how it is. Well, listen, last year was the COVID shortened season, so we had to get through the I guess the I didn't want to be on during the 2020 uh, pandemic. You got a point yeah. there, Jake. No, bad. yeah. No one knew about us. You know, we had to have the likes of some guys named Mike Piazza and David Wright first, get them through, and then get to John DeShrempsey. But you're here at a perfect time. Trade deadline. The Mets are in first. I know you have your own frustrations from your team over in the Bronx, but at least you could smile with us at the Mets. They get Rich Hill. They went to the top of Dick Mountain over the weekend, and the trade deadline's four days away. Good times right now in Mets land, but I still think, JJ, there might be some work to do for this team this week yeah and I like the Rich Hill pickup you know that kind of came out of left field we know the Mets have been depleted within the starting rotation Hill's a gamer I mean the guy the last couple years has played on a lot of winning teams I think you got to realize what he is he's not a guy that's going to be a one or a two in this rotation but they don't need that fellas I mean assuming that Taiwan Walker is going to be fine assuming you get something out of the Carrasco with Syndergaard and Jake comes back if Hill can kind of round out that rotation and give you a lot more more starts like we saw on Sunday against a good hitting Toronto Blue Jays team that's going to be advantageous for the Mets but I don't know if you guys feel the same way as we get closer to this trade deadline I still think if you're Alderson and Cohen pitching 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 within this rotation is what I'm addressing I know you're hearing about Brian I know you're hearing about Donaldson that's all well and good the Mets should go and get themselves another pitcher between now and then. Yeah, I think if they can land themselves a, a young starter who can slot in in that 3-4 area, Carrasco's going to be nice when he comes back. I- I'm convinced of it. I'm not worried about that. Syndergaard is still the X factor because you can imagine if you can get anywhere near the, what Syndergaard is capable of down the stretch, it'd be great. But Jacob DeGrom's health is number one. We're laughing. We're sitting back here with all these other little pieces. David Peterson you know, has not pitched in a while. You have Rich Hill now. You have all these other names. The guy that has to be at the front of this rotation is Jacob DeGrom, without a doubt. Without Jacob DeGrom, I don't know if they can mix and match enough. I don't know if they can get deep enough into September, let alone the playoffs, if you don't have that guy, the workman, uh, the workhorse, I should say, like Jacob DeGrom. Well, especially, Figgy, with this schedule they have coming up. Obviously, this is a huge week. This is a make or break type of week for the Atlanta Braves when you got five games in four days. But if you look at the Mets schedule, I mean, the Mets in August, they got the Dodgers a bunch. They got the Giants a bunch. I mean, you go through the schedule, it's like tough team after tough team after tough team. And look, I think they can survive the next three to four weeks if Jake's going to be on the outside looking in just because They've been so damn gritty all year. Like, that has been the Mets' M.O. They have found ways to win these type of games. They have pulled a lot of games out of the fire. But if you're thinking about this team come postseason time, what would make the Mets so dangerous is that in a five- or a seven-game series where I don't think you're as good as the Dodgers, I don't think you're as good as the Padres, I mean, I still can't believe the Giants are doing this. I mean, the fact that the Giants are like 30 games over 500 is like absurd. But what makes the Mets the sort of team that I wouldn't want to play 
If I got to face DeGrom two out of five, or I got to face DeGrom a couple of times out of seven, he's the best in the business. I mean, the guy's the best pitcher on the planet, but you guys know how that wear and tear can get to you in October, where we've seen guys short rest a bunch of different times throughout a series. Is Jake going to be able to do that after dealing with, you know, the last month or six weeks? That to me is one of the million dollar questions surrounding the Mets from now until we get to October. When we talk about the lineup, you know, Buster Olney's out here saying the Mets will definitely get one of Story, Baez, or Bryant. My question is, I would love one of them. How do they make that work, J.J., with, you know, with J.D. Davis hitting so well? I know he's questionable at third base. How do they make it work where everyone's getting bats and everyone's healthy? Or is it the more the merrier and you can't have too many hitters, especially with their injury situation? Well, Jake, you know this. Uncle Stevie's looking to go in and spend big money. And he's always said, if I'm going to go over the luxury tax, I'm not just going to barely go over the luxury tax. I'm going to shatter the idea of going over the luxury tax. And I think if you're talking about one of those three guys, you find a way to make it work. Now, they may not be fair to J.D. Davis. That might not be fair to Jonathan VR and some of these guys that have done a really good job, especially with a bunch of different guys being out. But hey, that's the way it goes. I mean, I think back to the 96 Yankees, Tino Martinez and Wade Boggs were instrumental in the Yankees winning a division. Wade Boggs, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Tino replaced Don Mattingly. I think he hit like 28 home runs and was super clutch throughout the regular season. Well, in the postseason, both of them were sitting on the bench in Atlanta for Charlie Hayes and for Cecil Fielder because, hey, that's the way it goes come October. So I I wouldn't be worried, Jake, about anybody's feelings. They go and get one of those guys, and it makes the Mets a more dynamic team. You do what you got to do. Yeah, depth is definitely, and the quality of that depth, if you can keep coming with that level of production off the bench, if you bring a guy like J.D. Davis off the bench late in a game, you know, to to be able to have that clutch at bat, he's done it before. He has had played that role before. You get somebody like a Chris Bryant, because I'm thinking of those three names, which one is going to help you break that bank? Because you got to remember, if you break the bank with one of those three guys to keep them around, past just a rental, you're going to lose Conforto. You're probably going to lose Syndergaard and Stroman because you can't afford all that, right? So if you're going to have one of them, then Bryant is the most attractive because he can play the outfield. He can be your right fielder or left fielder, wherever you want to put him and move other pieces around. So Bryant becomes the most attractive if you're thinking, well, if I'm going to lose Conforto because I'm going to have to break the bank to keep one of these three, Bryant is the guy that stands out. And everybody's like, oh, well, you know, the the lineup is too left-handed already. Well, there's your right-handed answer for some power, and he's definitely a guy that you can have in that lineup and then mix and match, putting Dom Smith you know, in left, and he can play right. He can play anywhere. He's very versatile. The other guys, you know what they are. They're shortstops, maybe third baseman if you want to move them over there because you're going to hopefully have Lindor, a healthy Lindor for the next you know, nine years. So I think Brian is going to be the, the, the best option if you're looking to keep somebody because right now, who cares about the luxury tax? You're not even paying them. You're just getting them, and what, you're gonna, what are you going to give up? How much are you willing to give up? This Mets farm system has been depleted for God knows how long. And you finally have some prospects that you like and you're trying to hold on to. But if you're this close and we've seen Sandy Alderson, you know, construct the team and make them a winner down the stretch. This team is way better than the 2015 team at this point. And then they went out and they made the big splash and got Cespedes. But remember, we talked about this, Jake, all the key other pieces, right, to add depth. They're already at that depth without making a trade to, to get those guys. So now you have all these other pieces to go get that big, big middle of the lineup type slugger. So, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you've got to wow somebody and take somebody that either has a contract already that you're going to be comfortable with or you're going to have to be able to sign, maybe do a sign and, and trade kind of thing because 
you want this guy in the uniform and you're going to be able to maintain this guy in the uniform, not just as a rental. Yeah, and Figgy, out of those three, I agree with you. Brian fits the Mets the best. I'm intrigued by that Jose Barrios, Josh Donaldson idea. Now, I understand Donaldson's contract is a ton, but that guy is such a gamer. He is such a badass that if you put that personality on the Mets, New York City would absolutely love Josh Donaldson. And that way you kind of can flex a little bit with your financial wherewithal by saying, hey, guess what? We can take on this Donaldson contract. And in addition to that, we can go and get that young up-and-coming pitcher in Barrios where, all right, next year, Syndergaard, Stroman's contracts roll around. There's your replacement. But for this year, that's the guy you slot in right into that rotation. Because, guys, I'm a little concerned about Walker. Listen, he was great in the first half, had an awesome first three months of the year. This is a guy who hasn't pitched much over the last couple of years, and now there's a whole lot of wear and tear on that arm. So I I don't know how Taiwan Walker is going to hold up August into September. That's why I keep stressing arm, 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 arm. I want to have as much there as humanly possible. Yeah, his first few starts after the All-Star break uh, have been brutal uh, for Taiwan Walker. Pete Alonzo says he's the best power hitter in the game, and he's proving it. JJ, is Pete Alonzo the best power hitter in baseball? I mean, he's right up there, Jake. I mean, his home run derby prowess, nobody can beat him as far as that goes. Uh, A guy by the name of Shohei Otani might have something to say about that, and I know Otani is mistimed, and, you know, he is this phenom, he's this sensation. But remember, Alonzo got off to... A little bit of a slow start this year. Didn't have a great 2020 season, even though it's 60 games. You take it for what it's worth. Did come on over the final month of the year. But I don't know if you guys have felt this way. Watching Pete over the last few weeks, this is the guy we saw in 2019. It seems like he's in the middle of everything. He's hitting a ton of big home runs. He's trotting that home run horse out there. So he's got the guys all fired up. This is the version of Pete Alonso the Mets need because this is a guy who can go and carry a lineup. So Jake, whether he's the best, the second best, the fifth best, who the hell cares if he's going to hit home runs like this, Mets going to win a whole lot of games. Yeah. And the, the horse, the horse has been fun guys. I mean, the Yankees, you guys could use something like that. A horse, something. There's no life well, in the Jake, Yankee locker it, well, room. Here's the, here's the problem for the Yankees. They brought out that dopey jacket a couple of weeks ago. You remember they were giving everybody the jacket down in Houston and when you blow a five or a six run lead, it's it's kind it's kind of tough, Jake, to be like, all right, we're bringing the jacket back after you know you just yuck up another lead. So well, now you maybe, need the jacket because of how cold they are. The Yankees well, are so cold, you need well, the maybe, jacket. Maybe Straight they jacket. It a, maybe they got to give it a bullpen, guys. I don't know. Or <laughs> maybe they should provide Pepto Bismol with every Yankee reliever. That should be like you know. All fans, like the first 25,000 fans to go to Yankee Stadium, you got a bottle of Pepto. Or maybe stamp one of those surgeons' general warnings on the Yankees this year. (laughs) That too, either or. Let me ask you guys this question. I was thinking about this over the weekend. I don't know how you guys felt with the whole Springer-Conforto argument because I always argued you weren't going to be able to have both. And, you know, when the Mets did not sign Springer after bringing in Lindor – you know, they were putting their eggs in a Michael Conforto basket. Did it bother you guys watching Springer make diving catches, hit bombs? I know he's missed a ton of time this year. I thought he fit the team a lot better than Conforto, and I would have worried about Conforto, you know, the following year or whatnot. 
So, Jake, specifically, were you bothered watching Springer put on a show this weekend? I was more amazed that catch was – I just respect a great player like that. But you look at the numbers, and Nimmo's been far better. I know Springer was hurt for a while. But so. it really isn't Nimmo, though. It's because the Conforto-Springer comparison was what – because you, you can't pay both of those guys. Well, I if mean, you put a certain- gun in my head, Springer-Conforto, I'm going to take Springer, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone – with the right mind would do that. So it, I wouldn't say it bothered me too much because the Mets have a better record and we're in first place. Maybe if they, the Blue Jays were better than we were right now, I would be bothered. But I think the fact that we're winning, it, it bothered me a little less. But man, that catch was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. I mean, I kept looking at the replay at the game like Superman-esque. And you thought it was Kevin Pillar out there, but it, it was Springer. Yeah, I, listen, I, I, I love Springer. I think he was a, a player that it was just a foregone conclusion that he was going to be a Met. He's a Northeast kid, went to UConn. You were thinking that this is definitely going to be the guy to, to fit and take care of the Mets center field problems that they've had for years and years and years because he could do both, right, both sides of the baseball. But the complaint was that he was already over 31, 32. He's already over 31, 32. How long was he going to be able to play there? You are absolutely correct, JJ. That Conforto probably wouldn't be signed back then. And one year of him playing center field, then he could move to a corner position. And if you had someone else or you went and got a center fielder, then you have Springer for the next eight years, seven, eight years, whatever it was going to be. I'm not necessarily, I still think we have not seen the Michael Conforto that we have seen, you know, in the beginning of his career or up to even last year. And I know it was a shortened season, but Listen, baseball has uh, lost their mind and paid people for, you know, 11 games, uh, get $40 million these days and a Cy Young. Michael Conforto was very consistent in the middle of that lineup. We have not seen him be the clutch hitter in the big moments. He has come through in the last few times that he's been tested, which I like, because according to Jake, the greatest thing Conforto ever did was take that you know, curveball off his elbow and win the game on a walk. A Met moment, like Figgy. Yes. That's a Met classic right yeah, there, yeah, baby. That's, got, that's going on the, on the 2021. Amazing Met finishes, Amazing 2021. Finishes. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing I, I, I look at with Conforto is, yeah, you know this guy's pressing from the very beginning because he just wasn't right. And you know he's trying to play for that bigger contract than Springer's. He's got Boris as an agent, and I'm surprised that Boris hasn't opened his mouth yet or said anything because he normally does. But I still think Conforto is still the right move because you're looking at a guy who's at at least three years younger than Springer. And you also replace one handsome man in Michael Conforto with a more handsome man. Wow, look at you. Time. That's right up. That's right up your alley. GQ. Because I mean, that's, that's you, of course. More, more of so co- figgy, to be honest. But that's oh, get out of here. I'm in the dad bod uh, plus size GQ uh, model edition. The bald head, the cocoa butter version of GQ. Why is there so many extra little things that you keep putting on to it? That's the I sad like part. It. The extra, uh, you're either GQ or you're needed. not, Jake. You can't make up a GQ. G- GQ Le- plus. You're it's like GQ Legos. Plus. You're like Legos. You know, you just keep putting on little pieces but you're not the full thing yet i get it I listen get it. chris Bryan, you know he was, the girls will swoon over him he will be the top selling jersey out there and yes versatility is also nice uh jj you know the the padres just made a move for frazier the three teams in the west are very dangerous you know maybe right now or maybe after a week we'll see what they do are the mets good enough to win the national league and win a world series this year? i think it all comes down to the grum I, I i hate to cop out jake and give you that answer but it's the truth assuming he's healthy assuming he is 100 percent. let let me put it this way they're not as good as the dodgers and the padres if we're going pound for pound are those teams better than the mets yes does that mean they're going to beat out the mets no like i think we've seen that in the postseason far too many times how a dominant starting pitcher 
can be like that great difference maker, can be that great equalizer. I think DeGrom can be that sort of guy if he's pitching the way he was over the first couple months of the year that takes the Mets and pushes them over the top. Like, that's why I want to be clear in saying, you know, if I'm ranking teams in the NL, not putting the Mets one or two. If the Mets win their division and DeGrom is right, they absolutely can get to and win a World Series. I do believe that. Do you, JJ, want to stay in the New York landscape forever? You're one of the voices of New York sports here. Do you see yourself here forever? Do you see yourself on the national scene down the road, or do you want to stay home here in New York? Well, I mean, I am home, Jake. That's uh, that's the one thing. So I know I took on a new gig. I know it's a different, more national platform, if you will. I didn't relocate to Los Angeles. I'm still living here in Brooklyn, new apartment in a month, by the way, for those of you keeping score at home. Uh, going from a one to a two bedroom will be a life altering. That is what you call mm. a life altering experience in New York City. And I know a lot of us have felt that post pandemic. But yeah, Jake, I mean, listen, who the hell knows what three years brings, five years brings? You know, I take it day by day, dude. I know that's cliche. I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for i know yeah, you're I know looking it's for, so cliche I know I know i'm a reporter well, dude, i'm a reporter asking looking... you the question wanting it for you to ju- give me something juicy and you give me i'm just taking it day by day you know i moved into a new well, figure, i mean in all seriousness bro like after the last year i feel yes, like of course i kind of i kind of gotta approach it that way mm-hmm. dude it's like let, let me see where i'm at in a month let me see where i'm at in three months i'll change the question could you have seen yourself go back 10 years ago and see where you're at now hell could no and Hell no. that's what I'm saying. I think it's a it's been a remarkable journey just this this far for the last 10 years of where you came from to where you are right now and where you continue to go. So I used to say it all the time. I want to be a med all the time. I'm going wherever I can well, get an opportunity. To, you know to what? Do thing, that's thing. a good point, because like my dream job as a kid was WFAN. So a lot of people wonder, oh, how could, how could you leave your dream job? Well, if somebody would tell me when I started Syracuse that this mogul by the name of Bill Simmons, who I discovered, true story, I went up to Boston this weekend. Uh, I hung out with guys who I've known from you know Syracuse for forever. I'll never forget freshman year. They're like, do you know who this sports guy is? I was like, no, who, who the hell is that? And I started reading Simmons. And I'm like, this guy's awesome. Despite the fact that he's a Red Sox fan and you know I can't stand his teams. He likes sports. He likes gambling, pop culture. So if you would have told me 10 years ago that this Simmons character would start this like crazy, awesome company and want me to be a part of it. I want to believe you on that too. So, you know, it's amazing how media and, you know, my vision and dreams have changed over the years. And I love what I'm doing right now. That I can't, I can't stress that enough. I'm having a ton of fun. Podcast is kicking ass. We're doing what we do. I mean, it's the same old crap, but it's a different platform. Me yelling and screaming. I didn't expect to be this miserable about the Yankees, but hey, (laughs) here we are. Some would say it's amazing, but true. We're still waiting yeah, for our like invitation that. to the show. We're waiting for the Nelson Figueroa invitation. Well, I mean, Jake, listen, we I, I had to wait two years, right, to get <laughs> oh, a Figgy. Oh, hey, Figgy, Figgy and I already up no. on the golf course. So, yeah. you know, Figgy's welcome anytime. 
You, I might have to make you wait a year plus in there New you York, go. New York. There you I go. Gotta wait, okay? Well, That's COVID, like it counts as a third of a year because it's only a 60-game season. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a three, uh, one full year if you count two years. Uh, JJ, it's always good to talk to you, man. Host in New York, New York on The Ringer. Catch him on SNY. Follow him on Twitter at John underscore Jastrzemski. JJ, a year and a half in the making, and uh, good to have you on the show. Jake Figgy, always a pleasure, guys. And, uh, again, don't lose my number. You know, maybe, <laughs> I, maybe I won't have to wait two years to get on the next time. Just saying. Love you guys. That says goodnight. Adios. A tutelar to episode 72, the Wilfredo Tovar edition. Yikes. Of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake, Sarah McCrory, Brian Munguia for producing the show. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Send us an email at amazingbuttruepod at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 845-391-3660. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Thursday after, yes, a five-game series at City Field against the Braves. Win the series. I'll see you there. Let's go, Mets.